Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. It's the structure of reversal. The structure of reversal. What do you mean by that, Brother Bob? Well, verses 1 to 4, man is building up what he wants. Verse 5, God steps in. And verses 6 through 8, God tears down what man built up. Amen. It's just the structure of reversal. You can see it in Noah's flood, you know, the the Sodomites and all of that. You can see it in uh, here, the, the Tower of Babel. You can see it in the end of days in the book of Revelation. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But it's the structure of reversal. I want you to remember that phrase, the structure of reversal. All right? So verse 1 to 4, the action of man. Verses 5 to 8, the action of God. It's just a simple way to understand it. Verse 9 is a summary by Moses. So see, that's the pattern. All right. Now the action of man is indicated in verse 3 with this statement. They said one to another, come and let us. They repeat it again in verse 4. Come let us us. That was sort of the statement indicating they were going to launch their great ambitious act of rebellion. The action of God is described in verse 7. Same words, only this time God says, come, let us. So you have the action of men in verses 1 to 4 and the action of God in verses 5 to 8. The context, or the contrast, I should say, in this brief text is between what man desires to achieve, which is directed at his self-glory, self-fulfillment, and what God does to show man's impotence and his emptiness before him. It is man at his best and his noblest trying to achieve his greatest anti-God act. And God steps in and undoes the whole thing. Amen? Frankly, the attitude of the people at Babel is essentially the same as the attitude of Adam and Eve in the garden. It's an attitude of rebellion. It's an attitude of wanting to live apart from God, driven by 
personal ambition, personal pride, and you want to notice something that's very interesting, if you study this out, it's in the same location. Shinar, the plane in which they built Babel, was very near to the location that's described for the Garden of Eden. Both of them were in the Mesopotamian Valley, the lower Euphrates Valley, between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. So then man twice has been kicked out of one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Amen? Once it was just Adam and Eve throwing out. Now it's the whole population of the earth at the time thrown out of the plain of Shinar. Now to sort of set this up, after the flood was over, remember where the ark landed in what area? The mountains of Ararat, to the very north of the Mesopotamian Valley. But they migrated south because of the fertile area. They left the area of Ararat and went somewhat southeast to the Euphrates Valley, and that's where they decided they wanted to settle. And that's what it indicates in verse 2, that they journeyed toward the east. They came south, then they went east, and they found a plain in the land of Shinar that was very fertile, and they settled there. Now, God has instructed the leader of the family, Noah, in chapter 9, verse 1, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill the earth, repopulate the earth. It was a reiteration of exactly what he had said to Adam. Amen? Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. The command of God was to take people and search the entire planet. The Garden of Eden wasn't just supposed to remain that little tiny spot in the Mesopotamian Valley. Everywhere man was supposed to go and expand, he was supposed to be expanding the boundaries of that garden. It was supposed to populate the entire planet. You know, if you read the, the incidents of creation, it says, you know, the earth was void. There was nothing on anything anywhere on this planet that was worth bragging about. So God created this little spot of the garden, put Adam and Eve in it, and told them, go forth, multiply, replenish the earth. They were supposed to expand that outreach of the garden. If he only went, you know, 10 miles, that was 10 miles farther that he who was blessed was supposed to expand the boundaries of that garden. So it could have started just in the Garden of Eden, say with, you know, a five-acre plot or something, I have no idea, to 10 miles, to 100 miles, to 1,000 miles, to 10,000 miles, to 100,000 miles. I don't know. I'm just using it as an example. But they were charged after the flood, Noah, with the exact same blessing. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish or fill the earth. They were supposed to find out all the wonderful things that God had prepared for man and to populate the entire planet, expanding the Garden of Eden so the earth would be one blessed place. Amen? But that's not what man wanted to do. Man wanted to be defiant and rebellious. Complete disobedience at this point. 
Verse 1 says the whole earth used the same language and the same words. That's not redundant because those two are not synonymous. You may think they are, but they're not. The same language means language. The same words means vocabulary. Okay, now this is not confusing. Let me give you this example. They not only had the same language, but they spoke with the same vocabulary. Now, I know the English language is used here in America. It's obviously my language. Now, I can go to England or South Africa or Australia or New Zealand or Hong Kong, Singapore, India, wherever, other places where English is spoken, that they do not clearly understand because though we have a common language, there's variations in vocabulary. Even here in the United States, uh, if you go down to Texas and New Mexico and places like that, Louisiana, and you say, uh, give me a cherry pop, they're going to look at you like, what? What are you talking about? But up north in Michigan, where I came from, a cherry pop means a cherry soda. Down in Texas, you have to say soda, and they'll know what you're talking about. If you say pop, they just look at you with this dumb look, you know, like, are you stupid or what? So same language, just different vocabulary. Amen? And that's the example here. In case you had the you know, same language and the same vocabulary, that's what they have in Shinar. Okay? They all spoke the same, obviously because they spoke the language that was spoken by Noah, and his family. Now, back then, there were no barriers to communication. None at all. No barriers to unity. The literal Hebrew here indicates they had one lip and one set of words. Now, as we'll see in the last half of chapter 11, the event regarding Babel just occurred, as I said, about 100 years after the flood. So, based upon the genealogies that you can continue to follow through, it's the year 1656 is what has been calculated to be after creation. Not B.C. because the numbers go the other way. But 1656 years after creation. So this is about the, the Tower of Babel incident would be, the, and that's when uh, Eber was born, or Eber had a son, Peleg, when he was born. So that means this is now the Tower of Babel, 1,756 years after creation, marked by the birth of Peleg soon after the flood. So they were still speaking the same language. Various languages had not developed. Various vocabularies had not developed. There may have been minor variations, but basically the same thing. They're just one people. Everyone was descendants of Noah, united around one form of language and basically one vocabulary. That's very beneficial, okay? Because they all had the same history. They all had the same freedom of communication. Nothing at all like the world in which we live in today where everybody's got a different history and every nation's got a different tale to tell and people speak so many different languages. But there was also a seriously dark side to this unity. The devil used it 
to turn them against God. Because they were sinful. Because they were rebellious against God. Because they were proud and became wicked. That unity allowed for a concentration of evil that was unacceptable to God. Power corrupts and ultimate power corrupts absolutely. How's it go? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely? Well, one nation, all speaking the same language, all under the power of the same influence, led by the same man, lacks any checks and balances against evil to help preserve mankind in a sinful world. You see, sin had a united front, a united force. And it's not helpful to the people because it eliminates the constraints and the restraints that nationalities bring to bear as we see in human life. I mean, down in verse 6, you'll see that God recognizes this. He says, and it's recorded in the middle of verse, this is what they began to do, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them because nobody is going to stop them. Nobody is there to stop them. I mean, part of the freedoms that we enjoy right now today, even in America, are due to the fact, uh, for example, when Hitler wanted to rule the world, somebody stopped him. But if it was one people, one world, and one leader, nobody could stop him. That's not helpful. The checks and balances system in the world, even on a national scale, is part of the grace, a common grace that God's given to restrain evil in the last days. And since you had a, an evil world, they would choose an evil leader and be dominated by an evil leader. And there'd be absolutely nothing to stop the wickedness. Now, Adolf Hitler wanted to rule the world. And that would have been a, a disaster of all disasters. Same with any world conqueror that you track, all of whom had evil ambitions. People gave their lives in wars to stop these efforts. For example, the efforts of Stalin and, and others in order to create a measure of restraint, justice, and freedom, and peace on the earth. And it is true that even warring nations act as a type of restraint to autocratic dominating power. And they restrain the, the free run of evil. Amen? That's why I want to say to you, one world unity is a curse. And the New Agers are really into this, aren't they? The liberal and the progressives, they want this one world order, the world council of churches and all this other one world stuff. World unity, folks, is a curse. A one world ruler would be a disaster. One people only escalates the the unified force of evil. And God knows that. And so does Satan. And Satan is moving the world in which we live today back to this one world order system. That's why they're pushing it so hard. One religion with one ruler who's identified in the Bible as the Antichrist. Amen? Satan wants to produce this one world, one government under one ruler who's called the beast in the book of Revelation. And someday his kingdom, and it's happening soon. I believe he's here now. Amen? Someday soon, this one world order will bring the entire world under unilateral, unlimited power. 
an evil power. And hell will belch forth and demons will abound. The demons that have been constrained will be released upon the earth. Amen. And all hell will break loose. And what the New Agers are wanting to happen is exactly what Satan wants to happen. Amen? They are simply his advanced publicity team. That's it. Satan would want a one-world government, then he will select the one-world leader, and he himself, Satan, will rule the world through this puppet, the Antichrist. And when that happens... You can read in the book of Revelations about the horrors that are about to occur. And what are those horrors? Well, the prophets tell us well. There will be mass slaughter, mass death. People will be killing each other, even in families. That's hell on earth. The explanation of the contemporary sociologists and anthropologists is that man is basically good. When man does something really bad, it's because he gets brainwashed. And the only explanation for the Holocaust in Germany, the only explanation for good German people massacring six million Jews is they were under a relentless onslaught of Nazi propaganda that literally overpowered their thinking so that eventually they were so severely brainwashed they just went out and killed all the Jews. Uh, we could take that and look at the, the liberal media that is in the hip pocket of the Democrat Party, and they refuse to cover anything on the Republican side. But, you know, I mean, Obama and all the illegal acts he did, they, they just go along with it. So, oh, that's fine, that's fine. So the same work, the same force is at work today. But getting back to the history lesson here, that has been the standard response of evolutionary sociologists and anthropologists. They believe that man is on the ascendancy. We get better and better and better. And that has to explain the incredible holocaust of Germany is they were just brainwashed. Say nothing of the 50 million or so that were killed by Stalin. And the explanation has always been, well, they were brainwashed for a long time. And they were so brainwashed they couldn't think the normal way. And that's what happened. And then they found this town in Poland called Jed Wabadny. In 1939, Hitler started his movement to take over the world. But he didn't want to have a fight on the eastern border, so he made a truce with Russia in order to kind of keep a buffer zone. I mean, you have Germany here, Russia over there, and in the middle is Poland. So he split Poland down the middle, annexed the eastern part of Poland to Russia, and took the western part for Germany. That way there would be a buffer. And Jedwabian is in eastern Poland. And it was never occupied by any of the Nazis. It was never occupied by any Germans. It was occupied by Russians. Now, the Russians at the time, they weren't trying to conquer the world as much. They weren't interested in racial propaganda. So there is no propagandizing at all of the 3,000 people that lived in that little town. 1,600 of the people were Jews. And the Jews had lived in that town for 300 years. 
They farmed together with the other folks, the Gentile people who were there. They went to school with them. They worked with them. Occasionally, they even married them. They bought groceries in the same stores and worked the fields together. They carried on the same social events in town. They had done this for 300 years. There was essentially no racial attitude at all there. Everybody got along just fine. Well, June 22nd, 1941, Hitler didn't want to follow that truce anymore because he wanted to defeat Russia, so he just swept through Poland, and the truce was broken. And he soon took that town of Jedwabami, along with all of Poland, all the way to the Russian border. And that was on June 22nd, 1941. A little over two weeks later, on July 10, the Gentile townspeople took all 1,600 Jews in one day and massacred every one of them. The ones they couldn't stab with a pitchfork or behead with an axe because they were running out of time that day, they herded into a barn and then poured gasoline all around the barn and burned them all to death. That event could not be explained by sociologists the way they were trying to explain the, the Holocaust. Because it couldn't be explained by the sociologists because the town was never under any Nazi propaganda. There had been none there. The history records indicate that not one of those people was killed by a German. None. Not one of them was killed by a Nazi soldier. Not even one. Every single one of those Jews were killed by his neighbors. And the question the sociologists ask is, how in the world can people in a two-week period massacre their neighbors in a bloodbath? How can they do that? The answer is, well, the Germans just gave them permission to do it. They said, yeah, you can go ahead and do that. They didn't do it because of race. They did it because they wanted their farmlands and their farm implements and their furniture and their money and their jewelry and everything they possessed. They wanted their possessions. That's in the heart of man. There's no brainwashing necessary. Romans chapter 3 says their feet are swift to shed blood. And all it will take to create in a world in which people massacre each other today is to have one government that says, yeah, you can do that and just turn them loose. Jibbawani is a testimony to the wretchedness of man's heart. What do we see today in the Islamic world, in the Muslim world? You have... Uh, ISIS, these awful devil-possessed people with their own little unity clique who says it's okay to kill anybody that's not like us. That's including other Muslims who don't hold to the extreme radical views that ISIS holds. If you're not with us, you're against us. That's their basic policy. And if you're against us, we kill you. That's what we see in the world today. So there's another example of a group of people giving permission. I mean, you got these lone wolves in America who are carrying out these terrorist attacks, killing tens and dozens of people at one time, and ISIS says, oh, that's good, you guys are doing that. See, ISIS is giving them permission in their minds to do that. Amen. I mean, you can see the exact same thing being acted out in the streets of America's cities today. President Obama and his administration 
basically gave carte blanche for hoodlums and thugs to do what they want in the inner cities. This Black Lives Matter movement is escalating to the point where you cannot say anything against it or you could be attacked. All the liberal politicians are embracing this as something good. These black people are, are expressing themselves. But it produces nothing but evil. Amen? And I may be offending some of you right now, but get over it. That's exactly what's going to be repeated across the face of the earth during the reign of the Antichrist. All the Antichrist has to do is tell people, yeah, you can do that. You can do it. And when sinners get concentrated under one power at one place, wickedness abounds, folks. All you have to do is just remember the greatest amount of crime and the greatest amount of wickedness in the world occurs where? Out in the farm country? No, in the cities. And the bigger the city, the worse it is. Look at the Detroit riots, Chicago, L.A., Baltimore. When the riots happened in Baltimore in April of 2015, the mayor told the police force to stand down. She said, let them loot and burn the buildings. It's only buildings. She actually said that. But inside of those buildings were private citizens, homes, stores, lifetime of things, all their possessions, with the mayor saying, ah, let them do what they want. And an entire section of the city was destroyed in just a couple of days. So here, God knew what was being proliferated here. Man was evil, and his evil singularly and unilaterally in one package would abound to such a degree that there would be no way to preserve him from self-destruction because man by nature, Romans 3, is swift to shed blood. All you have to do is give him permission. Amen? God knew the sinfulness of the post-flood people was the same as the sinfulness of the pre-flood people. And some missionary out there is going to say, yeah, but did God know that? Because now I have to go and learn Swahili or Russian. I mean, it's a complicated deal, no doubt. But that's the lesser of the evils. Anyway, God scattered these people everywhere. And as they went from a common language, they began to develop the variations that God had assigned them because he confused their speech. And you can see what would happen. The people who could communicate with each other, they would group together. And then they would separate themselves from the people with whom they could not communicate. They didn't even understand what was going on because there had always been one language, just one set of words. And, by the way, as we move toward the Antichrist kingdom, languages are disappearing as well. Amen? A few years ago, I read a magazine that said this. Uh, I, well, I remember what it said. It's, basically, it said, thousands of humid languages are headed towards extinction. The 15 most common languages are now on the lips of over half of the world's people. Half of the world's people speak one of 15 languages. Amen? One or more of 15 languages. 90% of all the people on the earth speaks 100 languages. 
You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.